another episode of Thick and Thin Hoops, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nathan. What's good, Nathan? What's up, man? I was thinking of you uh, yesterday because the Kings have gone through a little bit of a swoon. Not really a swoon, just a couple like questionable results. And they were down 17 to the Pistons without Cade Cunningham. And I was about to text you, but then I opened FanDuel, and they were still favored by two and a half points somehow, and ended up covering that in spades. So I was thinking that's kind of speaks to the Kings. They're powerful, they're dangerous, but they, they've been a little herky-jerky this year, as especially as of late. I mean, they were down 47-29 at the end of the first to a Cadeless yeah. Pistons team. They, they go up 47, so... I don't know what to take away from that game. They are but then they blew uh, them playing out. with fire. They blew them out, right? They blew them out. So and they yeah. were up at halftime, but they're playing with fire. You can't you can't have games like that. Yeah, and this is the soft part of their schedule. I mean, they took a loss to Charlotte, and then they played them again tonight, handled business. Which, by the way, we should mention, you are somewhat of a celebrity now. <laughs> so for folks listening, go check out uh, the Sacramento Kings Instagram page. And your boys up there repping for his city. Yeah, you know they they have that they have a submission thing on on their yeah. IG. They do that whole game day and the fans they post pictures of fans. I've been submitting pictures for a while, different pictures, trying to get <laughs> on sure. there. This is finally the one that gets on. So it uh, I'll take me it. Of, uh, it reminds me of like snap stories. Remember we used to be able yeah. to like I don't remember exactly how it worked, but it was like you used to be able to submit it to you know if it was St. Patrick's Day in Chicago or something like yeah. that you used to be yeah, able to yeah. submit that with like a certain filter or whatever and then uh they'd put you on the story and yeah there'd be like a St. Patrick's Day story yeah. and random people would get selected yeah it was exactly like that damn that was a while ago I know I mean people still use snap I don't know if any of our listeners in particular would use snap but I know that it's still pretty active yeah yeah, yeah. a lot of the youngins do um, um I'm still checking my Facebook do you, are you still on Facebook? I mean, I don't use it, but every now and then I open it up just to see the memories and to see the dumb stuff I said on this day 10 years ago. Yeah, let me go ahead and delete this post. <laughs> I use that to try to clean up some of the accounts. Actually, the I, I got rid of my Facebook for a while, but then uh, Newport got me a uh, Oculus oh. for my birthday like a, I don't know, a couple years ago or something. And you, you have to have um, a Facebook account to run that thing. Like you can't not have one and yeah. so then i debated like should i just like make up a fake one but i was like whatever just like it's not that big of a deal so i had to reactivate and now it just sits there idly and yeah it just collects <laughs> dust and memories um Sp- speaking of your birthday it's coming up this uh this weekend right or friday it's coming up yeah um it's one of those that starts to feel i don't know what age exactly <laughs> triggers like you not actually being thrilled about it but i think it's here um, oh you're 35 now right yeah so right, was, not yet, not yet. Um, dude, I, I was filling out about, a survey, like one of these company surveys uh, yesterday. Um, just some like workplace experience, you know, like how you like the office, things like that. They had age range buckets and there was one that was 35 to 44 and 25 yep. to 34. I was like, oh my God, I'm now in that 35. I was like, <laughs> why do they split it that way? Why didn't they do it? Like the two biggest but, demos that they ask about are 18 to 34 and 25 to 34 like that clearly they decided that 34 is the cutoff so i'm gonna enjoy my last uh 24 hours 25 hours here um i should ask you as a the sage veteran on this pod (laughs) 35 year old uh, of two and a half weeks or i guess two weeks how does it feel and what should i uh keep in mind terrible feels terrible 
knees um, are just crumbling daily. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that started to happen. Now it's, it feels like it accelerated. But yep. um, but yeah, yep. you have that to look forward to. So can't wait. We already um, know how great shape your knees are in. Uh, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'm already ahead of the curve there. Um, yeah. So that's coming up on Friday. Oh, I should mention, I'm going to. We're going to Bulls Warriors that night. Oh, uh, what um, courtside again? Not courtside. I t- had to downgrade to just lower level, like peasant that I am. No, it's <laughs> going to be fun. The funny thing is, I would not have put any amount of chance that going into the game, the Bulls would actually, I think, have a better record than the Warriors, which is kind are of insane really? based on. Well, the Bulls are 18 and 21 after tonight. They just uh, won. The Warriors, the Warriors are just 17 lost. and 20. So. I yeah. think by winning percentage, the Bulls are actually a better you know record than the than the Warriors, which is That's unbelievable. Wild. You will see the return of Draymond most likely. Yeah, so that was the other thing I was keeping an eye on is that the the Warriors play in Milwaukee Saturday night on yeah. NBA TV. I don't know if that counts as like a national TV game or whatever, but they definitely won't sit versus Milwaukee. I'm just praying none of them sit Friday in Chicago because uh, that would be a huge yeah. bummer. That would be. I really don't care about anybody but Steph. So as long as he plays, I'll be happy. But, you know, I don't give a shit about Draymond or Clay or anything. <laughs> um, so let's start there, actually. We were going to do we're gonna do something fun on this pod. We're going to do a hopeless team draft, which is maybe not fun for me since my team will probably be featured as a fairly high pick here. We're going to each draft five teams uh, that, you know, the, the, the premise is that who is the most hopeless of the next five years could be roster, could be draft equity, it could be like ownership, coach situation, any number of reasons of what makes a team hopeless. You and I are some of the most, uh, the foremost experts on this concept, I would say, of what uh, truly constitutes a hopeless franchise. Um, I was actually looking at the fact that the Washington, four Washington teams are actually the lowest, I think like last seeds in like every single league that they play in. So I'm sure I'll have good context there. But before we get into that, Wanted to bounce around. There's a bunch of different news topics that hit the wire. So you just mentioned Draymond. He's coming back from the suspension. He also <laughs> coincided that with announcing that he's renewing his podcast for another year. So what do you make of this? Like, this is kind of straight out of the John Morant, like eight days in therapy, and I'm a completely new man playbooks. Like, what do you make of this kind of thing where you hear about it, but you're like, all right, like, at the end of the day, like, is it a mental problem where you just like, continually swiping people in the face for no reason yeah i don't think anyone buys the mental excuse i actually think at least with jaw he's a young player and so there's people on both sides of the camp people who like oh he generally wants to change people who say he's still immature i think with Draymond, everyone's aligned that this is just who he is and yep all, everything he said in this interview everything he talked about crying with steve kerr and just thinking about retiring everyone oh, looks at it as a joke right so i yep. The beauty of the Draymond situation this time is I feel like for the first time in his career, not a single person is in defense of him. Side. So yeah. what will be interesting is just to see how the Warriors, uh, how he kind of comes back into the lineup, right? Like, sure, Steph, Clay, they'll continue to be the same, but how will um, the rest of that roster kind of deal with now his, his return is the are the dynamics of that team going to change at all? Uh, I don't know. And, and given that they're struggling so much, it's going to be a very interesting situation to watch um, in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, look at the end of the day, like I just feel like Draymond was trying to find a an avenue to like kind of like 
contextualize or rationalize his behavior. And I'm like, how does this, like, again, nobody can get inside of the mind of someone and actually see what they're going through, why they're doing the things that they're doing. But like, you think about the Rudy piece, you think about like all the bitching at the refs, all the constant just going after people. Like we've talked about this on this pod several times, how he's so crazy. He actually gets the most lenient whistle in the league as far as technical fouls, because there's pretty much like no, nothing he can do that we haven't seen from him already. And I feel like he's been building up this character and that's part of what makes him tick or whatever. But then like something like the Nurkic play, which is really the straw that broke camel's back. That was just him again, being like unnecessarily like physical, violent, whatever. And I think it has just as much to do with like him trying to bend the rules as he does and everything else as it, you know, has to do with like him being on the verge of, you know, saying, Hey, I'm going to walk away from the game. Like it just, it feels like we're talking about two different things, two entirely different ecosystems. It's narcissistic behavior, right? Um, If he's going to play up the victim complex when everyone's out to get him and then, you know, he's going to continue. I I just don't think he's changed at all. Like the, the way he responded, it didn't seem genuine, right? Like I think a genuine, he did say a lot of things. Actually, if you watch the entire clip or read the entire transcript, he did talk about being needing to keep his temper in check, needing to kind of, you know, not let it get control of him. It's hurting the team. He said some of the right things, but the fact that he keeps coming back to the same, he says the right things, but then he adds a little bit to it in terms of, um, I thought about retiring. I thought about, right. Like he's clearly trying to play up being the victim. And that to me shows he hasn't changed. I don't expect him to change. And, And actually on the recent Bill Simmons pod with doc, I don't know if you listened to it, Doc brought up a good point. Like the enforcers, whenever you have that enforcer type on a team, yeah. How often have we seen those guys change? Those guys play the same role their entire career, and they're taught to use their aggression. They're taught to be the the kind of emotional leader of teams. I don't see him switching that off. So, yes, yeah. he's not going to get into immediate trouble anytime soon. He's still going to be stomping around, yelling at the refs. I don't think any of that actually changes. And so, well, we'll see. Look, I mean, if you if you take him at his word, you know, he did mention, like you said, I've cost the team enough. I'm going to make sure I'm going to keep a check. I'm always going to be a line stepper, right? Because that's how I get fired up. But I know when to draw the line more than I did in the past, all those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, look, the first high leverage game they're in, a call doesn't go his way. What's he going to react to, right? And, well, I guess in this situation, they may not be in any more high leverage games the rest of the year. But, uh you know, from that standpoint, we'll, we'll have to see the proof is going to be in the pudding. And and I get it. Like, I'm not trying to take away anything as, uh, from him as a player because at the end of the day, like, there's been a lot of discourse around Hall of Fame, not Hall of Fame. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. Yes. Like, four-time All-Star, multiple-time All-NBA, multiple-time Defensive Player of the Year, four-time champion. Like, it is a lock. Um, as far as, like, current players, he's – you know, not in the Braun, KD, Steph range, but he is as close as it gets to like without being a true, true 100% lock. So I'm not, I don't expect this to affect his legacy. It's going to be part of it. But you know what? It was part of Rodman's too, right? And it's part of a lot of guys who have to play with that edge and you just take the good with the bad. And, you know, he's coming back to a broken Warriors team, frankly. Um, they got absolutely boat raced tonight um, by the Pelicans on their home floor just to, I mean, it was ugly. Uh, Pelicans were up big pretty much the whole game and then just absolutely took him to the woodshed in the second half. I don't know. Like, do you think he's enough to fix it? I'm not sure. 
No, this team is broken beyond that, right? I, I don't think they can pin it on Draymond. I don't think they can pin it on just Clay. I don't think they can pin it on just Kaminga. I think yeah. overall they've got a lot of problems. And I think it all stems from just, look, it, we see this with teams time and time again. At, at the end of that run, the you know, all the good vibes are gone. <laughs> yeah. And when you're not winning games and you're not blowing teams out by 20, uh, things look less rosy. So right. dude, there's a lot of talk about Golden State being in play for Siakam. There's talk about them going after um, what's his face? Oh, my God, I'm blanking. I mean, I saw some stuff with Lori today. Mark, yeah, so they're they're in Which a lot would, of. By the way, make rooms. a lot more sense to me than Siakam, but anyway. Yeah, but he's gonna command a king's rank. Like Utah wants everything for Laurie, which I don't necessarily agree. He's worth that price. Um, but their team that yeah, Siakam rental. Why not? They they could take the chance. I feel like they have nothing to lose at this point. So, well, you really might as depends. well make some swings. I saw something that said they've paid like five hundred million in luxury tax over the last like five six years. Oh yeah, six hundred million or something nuts. Just luxury tax, not even payments, which they you know not even salaries, which they're already the number one salary team in the league. So at some point, does it expire, or do they always say, you know what, Steph did this for us, we're going to always take care of him? Like I'm not sure what their philosophy is on that. He is also not playing as well as he has. Like let's be real about Steph's performance this season. I think he started really good and it made people kind of forget that the last 25 games he's been for his standards below average, yeah. frankly. And, and um, he's had more of those off nights than you'd expect. Totally. And, um, I saw something that was like, he hasn't had a game with like under 10 points and zero threes in like 10 years. And he had like two in the last like five games or something like that. Right. Yeah. Like, stuff that you just weren't seeing from him for a long time and stuff that really made you wonder, like he doesn't get open the same way. He doesn't have that magnetism the same way. And part of that is because his teammates are like ass, especially like Andrew Wiggins and some of those guys. Um, but some of it is like, he's maybe just a tick slower yep. and defenses aren't respecting everyone enough so that even when they do sell out on him, it doesn't cost them on the back end. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's tough. You can talk about the fact that defenses have, keyed in on him but like you remember 20 what was it the 2020 2021 season or 2021 2022 the one that um, they finished uh out of the playoffs yeah like they lost the play into yeah. to lebron yeah that was 20 every night defenses were trapping him doubling him and he still was putting up 30 a game right so it's definitely i think not just a matter of hey this team doesn't have enough offensive firepower defenses are targeting him it is something i think tied to his just overall decline. Not that he's declining rapidly, but he is definitely a step below what he used to be. And and that's bad right. for the Warriors because he's bailed them out so many times and they just don't have, Clay's not the same. They don't have the infrastructure to to withstand those nights where Curry's off. But, you know, before yeah. it would, they could still coast. Um, yep. Okay. So let's see what happens when Draymond comes back. I think the second big story we want to hit on Kawhi Leonard, who has been playing like a freaking man possessed the last 30 games or so, pretty much if you trace the Clippers season back to Harden trade, five embarrassing losses in a row, including, do you remember when DeAndre Jordan and Reggie Jackson went into their house, put up like 60 combined points and beat them without yep. Jokic, Murray, or Porter? Um so that was basically the low point of the season, and everyone was laughing their ass off. Since then, they've been going gangbusters, beating everyone. 
They had a couple losses without Kawhi, but for the most part, uh, aside from the loss to the Lakers, I think they've won like 12 straight games when Kawhi has played. He just inked a uh, an extension. So he was going to be, he had a $50 million play option roughly. So he essentially canceled that and added three years, $150 million. So it's basically $100 million of new money, right? Takes him into, you know, his year 15 season. Now what's interesting is, they had a really weird offseason potentially coming up with Kawhi, PG, and Harden, all potential free agents. Um, and they had a team that at some point this season you were like, this is a train wreck and we got to blow it up. Except the fact that A, Steve Ballmer has no desire to probably ever blow it up. And B, they're moving into an absolute palace next year with the Intuit Dome in um, in Inglewood. And he's not going to go in there with the skeleton crew and a bunch of draft picks. So they locked up Kawhi. I guess, broadly speaking, were you surprised by this? Did it make sense to you? And then what do you think this means for for sort of like the Clippers this season? Does it change? Like anything about what you've seen really change your title expectations and kind of what to build on? No, I, I said this last year too. Like I think their only course of action was to to re-sign these guys, to bring back Paul George, bring back Kawhi. I, I don't think it was ever in jeopardy that they would not come back because of mm-hmm. the reasons you stated. First of all, Bombers got deep pockets, so the money's not an issue. The but it's really the Intuit Dome and the fact that they need a good team heading into next season. Yep. That I think it was always destined that this was gonna happen. And, and I think for Kawhi, um I expected Kawhi and Paul George this year. My whole prediction with the Clippers was that they would play more games than before. I didn't expect it this many. Yeah. But they're trying to get that last contract, so they're going to go all out this year to get that bag, and they got it. My concern is not this year. I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be a force in the playoffs. Granted, they don't have any major injuries. I think the next couple of years, though, it's going to go back to status quo with the Clippers in terms of load management, Kawhi sitting out games. I honestly believe that. I think the only reason he was gutting hard this year was for that contract. They see a good title opportunity. But if they don't win it this year or get close this year, I think the next couple of years, the Clippers are screwed. And, yeah. you know, Ballmer is willing to live with that. They've got no draft capital, so it didn't make sense for them to move on from these guys anyway. And they're going to ride it off into the sunset. So I think this year they've got a good chance. I think they're screwed the next couple of seasons. Well, when you – yeah, the, I guess the question is what is screwed, right? Because to me – and I, maybe I'm getting soft in my old age where I'm backing off of rings culture – but I no longer believe that there's an idea of like championship or bust in that I just don't think that given all the different variables in play that you could ever really say like this team has to win a title or it's an abject failure. Like if the Clippers made the finals this year, let's say, let's just say, let's just say they made the finals, lose to Boston or something, right? That to me is still a successful season. Would you say otherwise or would you say that? Uh, no, that's successful for sure. Right. So that's why I'm like, you know, if they do that and then maybe in the next couple of years it gets a little hairy, but they're still competitive. Like, what else can you really expect from that team at that age? And they sort of they didn't make good on what they gave up because they gave a freaking Shea Gilgis Alexander, which is, you know, I it's going to be history books are going to be written about that trade one day. But they did give up, you know, they did give it up for this chance. They had a chance in 21 and, you know, they have one again now. And so. You know, that's why I just like I push back a little bit on just like the idea that like the next couple of years will be ugly. Should that justified? Should I not justify? I'm not sure. No, I here's where I disagree. I 
first of all, I would do the redo Paul George acquired, knowing what we know now, 10 times out of 10. Because you cannot predict injuries. I mean, you know that they're more injury prone. They were a good team when they were fully healthy that year in 2020. Went on to the bubble. Weird stuff. Fine. They got out. And then the next couple of years had some bad luck. This was always a very good team. And no one saw SGA being the player he was, right? That it's unfortunate, but no one predicted him to be this good. And I, but where I disagree with you is I think when I say they're screwed the next couple of years, I'm not saying that this was the wrong decision to sign them. This is the, they shouldn't have done it. They had alternatives. I'm just saying, I think it'll fall apart a lot faster than it may appear to on paper. Like I think next year, you know, in the West, if you're just a few games worse, you can be a play-in team. And yep. I think they start skirting the play-in next year. And then, you know, what do you really have? So I I don't think it's a failure. I'm just saying that I don't think next year they're going to be as good as they were this year. Well, what's really interesting is, like, that's a good point. The West is so crowded. At some point, does it loosen up, right? At some point, do you lose one of these like hanger-on contenders, whether that's a Lakers, whether that's a Warriors, whether that's a Phoenix. Suns? Yeah. yeah, and it starts like at least loosening up a little. But you know, and, and it's it's kind of the middle ground between before like the Spurs are good or before like the Blazers or the Jazz have really taken a step. I wonder if there's a natural kind of transition, or if it's just like you know, reality is the West is always going to be competitive for whatever reason. I've still not quite been able to figure out why it's been like the better conference for like 25 years now. Yeah. It's not weird. It's like, there's some, there, it's not just chance at this point for like 25 straight years. There's something, it's probably the owners. It's probably, and more of the big markets are in the East, New York, Boston, Chicago, Miami, but I think Philadelphia. you have a lot, you have a lot more shitty owners on the East coast and that's chance, but it also is something that lasts forever. Yeah. And, and I think part of it is like you have these the Eastern teams are older. They've been around longer. I don't know. Maybe. I'm sure you can do dig into it and find out why. But I don't. I, there should be a transition period with a lot of these West teams. But then, you know, you have the Rockets. Um, you have the Jazz who have assets and can make a play to be good. The Grizzlies will be back next year. They're right now one of the worst teams. So it's. I don't know. Yeah. To your point about health, just looking it up really quickly. I mean, when did the Clippers ever forecast as like the model of health? And here's what you have. Kawhi's missed four games this year. Paul George has missed two. Harden has missed none. Zubach has missed none. Norm Powell has missed none. Russell Westbrook's missed none. And Terrence Mann's missed six. That's pretty damn good from your top seven, right? And so... You know, we talked about this a little bit last week. Harden is the ultimate insurance because he plays every night and he can cover up for one or two of those guys at a given moment. But um, they're certainly well fortified and they, they're streaking. Um, they're playing well at the right time. So, all right. Next up on the list of news and notes here, we got a couple major point guard injuries. John Morant out for the season, uh, which is, although it's frustrating to see, it's also maybe not a season killer in that the season was kind of already you know, on its last limb. So that's one thing. And then Tyrese Halliburton for a team that is in contention to, to make a top six seed in the West. Uh, he's out for at least two weeks, if not more with, um, with the grade one hamstring strain. So let's start with Ja. It's just the season from hell, write it off and, and come back next year. Or do you think they need to do anything fundamentally different uh, this off season? 
I, you know, it's funny. Uh, I think this, in, in some ways, it's a blessing. The season, I don't think they were ever going to recover from that slow start. I know they came off on fire with when Jaw came back, right? They won four mm-hmm. in a row, but they had some big losses. Um, they started kind of turning it around with the win against the Lakers, and, and then now Jaw's out. But I do think this team had flaws and um, there was, you know, among Grizzly fans, I think there's a lot of discontent with uh, Taylor Jenkins and the way his rotations were. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. has not looked great this year. He's taken a step back. So I don't think all is rosy with this team. I think there are roster issues. And the problem is this season becomes a lost season. So essentially, mm-hmm. I don't think they make any changes. They they run the same team back next year for the most part, and that could get them into trouble. So I actually think while it's good, they can kind of take punt the season, get a good draft pick, and then go into next year. I think it's going to hide some of the issues this roster actually had and yep. give them some false confidence going into next year. That's yeah. Look, they have I'd not say been to, that impressive. To say one good thing. I was very skeptical about the max contract extension they gave Desmond Bain, which was the full five-year, $200 million deal, the rookie max. He's been awesome. Um, Taking a bigger role, the playmaking, career-high 5.4 assists, he's still knocking down shots. He's 38% from three on nine attempts a game, 25 a game uh, for, for the Grizzlies. Now, they have the worst offense in the league, literally 30th out of 30, but it's asking a lot to expect uh, offense run by entirely just Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, and some of Marcus Smart to get you very far, right? Job yep. played nine games. He was very good, but nine out of, you know, at this point, uh, 35 is not going to be much. And the other thing that's interesting is like, to your point, they were six and 19. So that smoke and mirror start was never going to be sustainable. They're going to have to go on some crazy streak yeah. just to get back to like 500, much less like out of the plane. So, you know, they own their own first this year, Right. This is like a gap year for them. This is almost like you just brought up the the Warriors, right? Who had um, a couple of years. There were like the gap years before they reloaded. That's exactly what Memphis can do. Um, certainly need some more around the edges. They need a better shooting, right? They Zaire Williams never really turned out to what they thought. They have a lot of these like Santi Aldama, like you know David Roddy. Some of these guys who are just like I think they're kind of jags. Um, they need to figure out um, their bigs, right? Jaron Jackson, like you said, playing center more, really just, I mean, the least amount of resistance on the glass that you could possibly <laughs> ask for, which is sad given that he is a really skilled, athletic, tall, big. So it doesn't make sense that he's averaging you know, fewer rebounds than like Josh Hart, yep. basically. So that's the thing that I think they can work around. But, you know. Blessing in disguise and the season from Bain is where you take off and say, okay, this is guy, this guy has true all-star potential, uh, not just, you know, good stats, bad team guy. He can do it in a winning context. Yeah, I think that's been a great um uh observation for 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 them. I think Brandon Clark was supposed to come back later this season from the Achilles. Um, but now I guess you have the option of like there's no need to rush him back, right? They can yep. just shut him down for the season, have him come back next season, which is great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've got they've got the pick. They've got good players. Smart, by all means, I think will help and is a good replacement for what Dylan Brooks was on that team. I just think there it's – last year, we already saw last year. It's been two years in a row now, right? High seed finish for Memphis. 
mm-hmm. early exit in the playoffs. Like what what did they finish the year before last? Second. Last two years they're second seed. Yeah. Yeah. So did have they made enough change? Like the improvement in, of Bain, smart addition, is that enough to really make a deep postseason run the following year? That's to be seen. And I just think that this year would have helped them evaluate that. Like this year, based on how they finished, if they were healthy, the postseason run, we would l- really know what Memphis has. Yep. I feel like they lost out on that chance. But it it's a bummer for sure. But at least, you know, when you want to have a bad season, when everything goes wrong, you want it to all happen at the same time. That's yeah, how I, I agree. I mean, it, in, so. in some ways, you just consolidate the hurt and then yeah. come back. I do think that, that the Steven Adams role, and I don't know that you can count on him to really be healthy much more in his career. He's had a couple seasons now where he's broken down. He's not even that old, funny enough, but he just feels and looks old. He kind of looks like yeah. Aquaman. But then he also just, I think, has a lot of physical miles on his body. They need to find that archetype next to Jaron Jackson, right? Yep. It's kind of like, you know, Chet in OKC and now Victor in San Antonio have been unlocked moving to the center position. Jaron Jackson, you would think, had had that same archetype. Evan Mobley is another guy who you want to have moved to the center. Some of these guys just can't play it, right? They have to play power forward and they have to have a big next to them. Yep. So... And then in Indiana, so I think this is interesting. Again, not nearly as severe of an injury. Tyus Halliburton had a scary fall. Looks like grade one hamstring. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. My guess is he probably misses about three to four weeks. Now, he's definitely going to want to come back before the All-Star game, which is February 18th in Indiana. Uh, He is on track as of now to be a starter in that game. I'm sure he's going to want to be there for his hometown fans. So, Overall, you know, the Pacers are an interesting situation, right? Because they're they're sitting um it's a huge muck between the Magic, the Heat, the Pacers, the 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 Cavs and the Knicks who are all within a game of each other basically. Yep. Um from like 4 to 8 or 9. But the Pacers if they're trying to make a push, they really can't afford uh any time off with him cuz if you look at his, you know, on off, like he's one of the the league leaders and sort of like plus minus, which is speaks to his value, but then also kind of speaks to, you know, a little bit of how bad the team is around him and, and how much they might hurt. So what are your thoughts on sort of how they recover and, and keep, keep, keep going? They are, I think this is a significant problem. They have a murderer's row uh, of a schedule coming up. So let me just read out your, the schedule. Okay. The next six games are on the road. Atlanta, fine. Denver, who's, you know, not been playing great, but Utah, who's been playing really well. Sacramento. Then Portland, fine, right? Easy win or potential win. Then Phoenix, Denver, Philadelphia, Phoenix. You get a break against Memphis. Boston, New York, Sacramento. Like, the next 13, 14 games has like 10 bona fide teams and most of them are on the road. There's plenty of back-to-backs. And like you said, the on-off splits without Halliburton, I know they beat, um, uh, whatchamacallit yesterday. Uh, who did they play? Well, they beat the Wizards tonight. I can say that. Oh, the Wizards tonight. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I thinking yeah. of. Tonight they beat the Wizards. But without Halliburton, this is, a, like you said, they're one game out of the eighth seed. They can kind of go on a slide here and and that's, and it's it's a bummer for this team because they were a big there were talks about them being a 
candidate for the trade deadline and making a move, which they, they could still do. But if this is another year where Halliburton misses significant time, this team tanks without him on the court like they did last year, then you're going to enter the same situation where maybe they're a playing team or they get a really brutal matchup in the first round. And you don't know what you... This was the year you really wanted to see like some postseason progress. So yeah. unfortunate because his injury could not have come at a worse time. And if you recall last year, they were 23 and 18 and he got hurt and they lost like 10 straight games or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Like instant. And then they were just, they never recovered. Then they shut him down a year in. So there's a big risk of that happening again, especially with how well the Knicks are playing post OG trade, especially with Miami who continues to be impressive without Jimmy Butler for long stretches. You know, the Cavs, I feel like they almost addition by subtraction in a way, like it's just Donovan Mitchell's team, and now they're <laughs> playing a little bit better than they did early in the year. And then the Magic, who I think have taken a step back, but defensively are always going to be right there. And Paolo's having a huge year. So, yeah, it's no rest for the weary. I mean, the East is definitely not as deep as the West, but you want to stay in the top eight because it really drops off after that and even the top eight you know if you're the eight seed you run into the buzzsaw celtics that's a quick series right and so that's yeah that's something that they're trying i mean to forget about that forget about the celtics if you're the eight seed right now and the heat are still in that same you know in that same range you won't even get past the play-in <laughs> right exactly so yeah um, um so unfortunate but yeah man it is just uh we'll see what and I'm not trying to put like this on him because I love Halliburton definitely more than you do. That's without question. However, let me read you, and you probably know this memorized, his games played over his career. Rookie year, 58 games. He did play 77 of 82 the year he got traded. Then he played 56 last year, got hurt. He's played 33 out of... Um, I think 36 games that they've played. However, we're now going to get a 10, maybe 15 game absence again. So these are starting to add up for him. He's a little bit wiry um, and he plays like such a fast frenetic style that he can, you know, kind of like crash into guys and do his whole thing. But like start to worry a little bit about kind of just durability concerns right now. And now this would be the third season with an injury that could knock him out for, you know, upwards of 10, 15 games. And suddenly even like the player participation, the 65 game mark for awards starts to even come into factor. Yeah. It's at the point where you raise an eyebrow now. I don't know if I, I, you know, he's injury prone or he deserves a label or anything like that, but you're right. It's happened enough now that you start to wonder, is this potentially something that he has to deal with moving forward? But yeah, he's um, so damn special that you just want him out there as much as possible. So yeah, absolutely. All right. Those are the major headlines. Let's switch over to our – we need a better name than the hopeless team draft, but until I can think of one, um, we'll just call it that. Um, so what we're going to do, we're essentially going to, like I mentioned, draft five teams each. I'm going to give you the first pick. Um, we're going to go snakes. So I'll get two and three, so I'm not you know that benevolent here. Um, and just talk through why we think they're hopeless, see who's got the more hopeless and depressing team, leading into my 35th birthday, which I feel a little hopeless and depressed about. So that'll be the theme of the week. And uh, all right, if that makes sense, the floor is yours. You are now on the clock. Okay, my present to you for your birthday is I'm not going to pick the Wizards first. Okay. I'll let you do the the honors of talking about the Wiz. Um, if you were not to be so kind, would you take them here? 
Yes. Okay. Hundred percent. I'll. Okay. We don't. Screw that. I'm taking the Wizards. I'll <laughs> tell you why. When I look at this uh, type of ranking, right? Who's got a hopeless future? It has to be across a couple different dimensions. One, lack of talent on the roster or lack of players you can build around. One is your draft capital situation, right? Check. And then one is just your your ownership and confidence in GM ownership coaching moving forward. Check. Now, Wizards, of course, with talent, you know, they took a couple bets, right? Kuzma is a great player. We kind of already knew that. It's, It's nothing different. I think they took a bet on Poole being we no one expected him to be a star, but they did not expect this to go this poorly. Yep. Um, and with a lot of the other draft picks you've had over the last couple of years, Danny, Kispert, um, none of them have really shown much progress. I mean, Bilal is the one guy who has. So when I look at this roster, I yeah, you can talk me into Gafford and some of these, but like none of none of it screams long-term pieces and then the second part is ultimately your draft capital i think you're fine right i don't but i don't think you have a war war chest of picks nope um it's not like you've you made trades to get extra first rounders or even like a collection of bounty of second rounders you can turn into a first and i don't think you've managed your assets that well the last couple i mean porzingis fine he left but now seeing the player he is in boston um, Beal, you got a return for him. Great. But at the same time, you know, you were kind of hamstrung by his, his contract situation. So I just think, and then we, we don't have to go into ownership. Obviously you're now, it, things are different moving forward for Washington, but I still don't have confidence in what this team is going to look like. And with the fan base and the city that just doesn't care, I mean, sorry, <laughs> this is easily the most hopeless team for me. Yeah, it's 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 not even debatable. Um, <laughs> the Wizards are a unique situation of being the only team to have blown it up but not receive any assets back. Yeah, so exactly. It's there's a couple of reasons for that. One is they gave the worst contract maybe in professional sports out to Bradley Beal, uh, you know, top fifty player maybe. He just came out. I think he was number sixty one on the Ringers rankings that just came out today. Uh, they gave him a full five-year super max with no trade clause. So, again, that was horrific in the moment and has only gotten worse. So that's the first issue. The second issue is they, like you said, Porzingis was probably devalued because of what he did on the Wizards, right? So they couldn't get the return for him that they would have otherwise gotten if he had played that way somewhere else. And then third, the big, the big miss, which... I'm not going to fault them because I think I was generally speaking excited for it at the time is that they should have just traded for Chris Paul and let the contract expire or bought him out. Adding four years of pool and then having this type of pool season is an absolute disaster because now he is in tr- untradeable essentially, right? He's a hundred, you know, 90 or hundred million owed after this year. And he's been God awful. Now it's a point that he's not even just chucking all game. He's not taking shots at all. And so he's lost confidence we're going to have to figure out how to rework him. We have probably the worst coach in the league, one of the worst owners in the league. Now we do have a new brain trust who by all accounts are well pedigreed and highly thought of around the league. However, as you know, ownership can stymie even the smartest of front office execs. So we're hoping Mm -hmm. that's not the case here. And then the only other thing I'd say quickly is that, um, 
Bilal is the only player on the roster that matters. Um, and so not a great start that you go into one of the weaker drafts in recent memory with one guy you care about. Um, this is by far the most hopeless situation in the league. And it's a blank slate and you never really want to have a blank slate rebuilding. You need to have something. Um, yep, exactly. And so that's, uh, you know, in the NFL, you almost kind of prefer a blank slate because you can do a lot with cap space and you can draft so many guys to like make immediate impacts. It doesn't really work like that in the NBA. Um, no. So that's a fair one. Uh, I will cry about that a little later. Okay. I got a lot of interesting options here, but I'm going to go. Yeah. What are you going to say? No, I was going to say it's act- it was actually very hard for me to pick a clear two. After yeah. the Wizards, it gets very murky. Because I think there's two categories, right? There's like the teams suck, but they kind of have some interesting young guys, or the teams are mid and they look like they're almost yeah. more hopeless than the teams that suck. Yep. Um, yeah. How about, I think, give me Charlotte. Um, that was, yep. And I'm not, yep. like, Lamella Ball is really good, but does he contribute to winning or does he just know how to fill up a box score? I don't know. Brandon Miller for all the shit has actually been a really solid rookie. He's shooting well from three. He's been, you know, he's obviously got a lot of size. That's why people, they liked him over scoot miles bridges for all his general shittiness off the court has been good, but like all these guys are fine. Terry Rozier has been solid, like, but it has not added to anything. Um, they're terrible. They've been terrible forever. They just went to new ownership with Gabe Plotkin, who, by the way, got a uh, short squeeze. So I don't know how much of an improvement that is from uh, Michael Jordan, right, with GameStop. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm not really sure what direction they're going or what they need. They kind of just have a lot of dudes who are like, okay, and nobody's really jumping off the page except maybe LaMelo. And even that hasn't contributed. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. I think Charlotte's the number two here. I actually have them right there, too. Uh the only good thing for them is Hayward comes off the books this year, I believe. Looking at it, um, but mm-hmm. the, the problem is the one guy they've anchored around, right? Uh, Lamelo, he's going to make thirty-seven next year, forty the year after. You know, the extension kicks in, and he's uh, the jury's still out. He's an amazing player. The stats are there. We still don't know what he means to a winning team. Yep. And I just th- their roster of players and assets is not enough for me to see a significant shakeup where. Hey, look, they trade a few guys. They could completely retool this roster. Um, and they play in a market and it's for a team that is fine competing for the lower end of the, the Eastern Conference. So there's not that much to be excited about besides Brandon Millard, maybe his development. But yeah, I think a lot a lot of other teams in this range have at least a couple more interesting pieces. I think the roster, to your point, is the biggest flaw here. And I mean, this is one of the most like depressing franchise histories of any team in the league. Like just think about since they came back in the league, which was the 04 05 season as the Bobcats, right? They've made the playoffs three times lost in the first round unceremoniously dumped all three times. So we're talking three times in basically 20 seasons without even a shred of competitiveness in the playoffs. Um, They've picked all over the lottery. Somehow they've never had the number one pick in this stretch, which is uh, 
you know, part of the problem, right? They lost, you know, they got a Mecca Okafor instead of Dwight Howard. They got Michael Cape Gilchrist instead of Anthony Davis. You know, they've had some bad, um, bad beats and then bad picks. You know, they've done some dumb things and shit, man. Are they ahead of the Wizards? Like, <laughs> I guess because they have LaMelo, they can't be because he's better than anyone on the Wizards and still very young. And they have Brandon Miller, who's a better prospect probably at this point than anyone on the Wizards. So maybe not, but geez. And I guess the potential that new ownership could be a breath of fresh air because Michael Jordan, you know, clearly not on his go resume. Yep. All right. We're going to go snake. So I'm going to come back. Oh, we're doing snake. Okay. Huh. I think I can guess what you're going to do here. I won't say it, but I think I know. I think it's the. Um, I think it's the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, my dude. I literally Blazers <laughs> is my next team. I thought you know, I just thought you were going to go a different team, but I had Blazers as my that was my next choice. I'm going to give Frisky my like. next set here. Yeah, we do think <laughs> too much like. Um, so. Yeah, with the Blazers, Chauncey Billups has not really proven to be a great coach. They have a strange situation with, you know, Paul Allen's uh, late, late Paul Allen's wife and sort of like what is her kind of involvement and awareness of what's going on there. They have a bunch of these guys, Simon, Sharp, Scoot. I don't know how we feel about any of them. They're all talented, but are they all moving the needle and winning? It hasn't happened yet. They didn't get, I think, quite the haul from Dane that is allowed that will allow them to reset the direction of the franchise. And, um, you know, it's still Portland, and it hasn't been an attractive destination. All the great players that have played for that franchise have been drafted all the way back from to Walton, to Drexler, to Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge, et cetera. Like, those guys, for the most part, have been drafted there. And it's hard when that's your only avenue to improving. And, yeah, I'm just not thrilled about them. Like, I don't – I think it's going to be a long time before they're good again. As good of a franchise as they've been historically, um, which is one of the best in the league. I don't like their situation at all. And first of all, they've tied so much money uh, to mid players. Mm-hmm. When you look at the Aiden contract, the yep. uh, Jeremy Grant contract, and Anthony Simons, you know, to be to be frank, he looked like a promising young player. I don't know if he's special. Um, yeah. And 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 the problem is, so they've got a lot of money tied to these guys for the next foreseeable future. Um, and you could argue they could get off of them, but I don't know how much value they have in the open market. Yeah. Um, and then you know they their their draft pick Scoot Henderson. It's way too early, uh, but so far underwhelming returns. Shaden Sharp has been nice, but he's just been flashing a lot. But I still not steady play from him. Chris Murray has not been anything so far. Not saying they're expecting anything, but no one on this roster, to me, is someone outside of Scoot, really is promising for their future, yep. and they've got money tied up in a lot of the wrong players, and so and they in the Western Conference, it's just hard to see what the path is um, to immediately get better. So I, I definitely agree, Portland is is here, and there was a lot of talk about um, sort of like the Aiton Nurkic swap. I think that's really probably worked better for Phoenix at this stage. Like Aiton's actually taken a step back uh, offensively when you thought this would be a bigger role for him. 
And then like Grant, like he's probably tradable. Malcolm Brogdon is tradable if they want him to be. So there's stuff that they can do. But again, I don't know what it's going to do other than like unclog. They kind of have to do like a Utah level reset, but they don't have like the assets like Utah had to be able to reset in that manner. They don't have like a Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert type to just start the process. Um, And so you're stuck with this middle ground and like you're going to have to hit some picks. They may not all be top three. They're going to have, you know, five, six, seven, try to do it that way. And and that to me is, uh, look, I would say if we did this year after year, Orlando would have been on this list a lot of years and they figured it out and they turned it around in a couple of years. Right. So you do have to get a little lucky. They got lucky with the Franz Wagner pick. They got lucky with, you know, Paolo launching up to one and then Paolo and all that. So it can happen. It's just when you look at it right now, you don't see the avenue. Yep. Okay. You get two picks. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Detroit, which I thought okay. where you would go. Now, Detroit, it's not as I, I don't read into the two and or the three and 33 start and whatever. Right. Like theoretically, they've got a lot of young assets, you know, no albatross contracts, a lot of talent. Question is how they actually get anything out of that talent. But so in some ways, it's not the worst roster situation. But the problem is they overpaid for Bagley. They overpaid for Wiseman. Um, You know, Boyan, they'll be able to move off of and get value in return. They've got uh, Joe Harris comes off the books there. But the problem with Detroit to me is they've got a lot of intriguing young pieces, but nothing has really popped off uh, in a way that's going to get you a return in a trade. So Jaden Ivey's value seems a little bit depressed because of the way they used him. Uh, yeah. Killian Hayes has not improved in his years in the league. They're not going to trade Oscar Thompson or Jalen Duran because those guys are still very young, and I think they believe in them, right? Yep. Cade at least is showing flashes, so that's promising because at the beginning of the year, you and me would have said Cade is oh not that God. guy. I was like... <laughs> yeah. When we both agreed with that, but I, you know, the last several weeks before he got injured, it seemed like he's turning a corner. But I, th- I think the problem with this roster is just too much of they've got too many young guys, and none of them are going to get the right playing time. They're not in a good coaching situation with Monty, who clearly looks a little bit checked out, got his payday, um, and it's just not a franchise I trust to manage these assets well moving forward. So I've got them next. Yeah, and I think it was. Um... By the way, quick aside, um, it's crazy that the one game that they've won was against Toronto the day after the OG trade, so they didn't have Quickly or Barrett yet. And if not for that, they would have been on a 34-game losing streak at this point. Yeah. Um, So that's one thing. I think it was Bill Simmons' pod um, from a few weeks ago, uh, maybe one he did with Justin Termine or someone like that, where he walked through all the moves they made and they all made kind of some sense. And you look at their team and you're like, yeah, like I like Cade. I like, um, you know, I like Jalen Duran. Like even Jaden Ivey has flashed and Boyan Bogdanovich is a professional. And like they didn't, you know, they took a swing on Wiseman, like whatever. It was Sadiq Bay. They went out. It wasn't like some you know, prized asset. And like, yeah, they gave out some dumb contracts like Bagley and Kevin Knox, but who cares? Like, they're not spending on anybody anyway. And like all of it collectively is clearly worse than the parts. Uh, the sum of the parts of whatever that phrase is, is not equal to the parts themselves. And then they have Monty Williams who struggles connecting with young players. And they somehow thought it would be a good idea to have him coach this team. Um, 
gave him six years, 78 million. And that's not a contract that counts against the cap, but in a way it almost does hamstring you like a bad contract on your cap because you're so reticent to fire him, pay him that money and then pay for a second coach. So they have a lot of big questions to answer. I don't know what, if you said, okay, what are they going to go do? Like I've heard things from trading for Kyle Kuzma to trading for Pascal Siakam or other veterans just to create a little bit more of a environment in that locker room. Sure. I guess that'll help. Um, I wouldn't mortgage your future to do so in in an attempt to think you're going to win. And so it's a really fine line between what constitutes is like building the right culture versus like overplaying your hand. Um, So I think they make sense in the slot. Yep. All right. Uh, I got one more. Yep. Uh, Let's go a little off the wall here. Um, Give me the Phoenix Suns. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Now I'll tell you why. I know it, it's unfair to pick a team that they went all in clearly to be a title contender, which theoretically they still kind of are. Um, I'm going to tell you, I'll give you some reasons why I'm going to slide Phoenix up here. I think there's other teams that are seem to be in worse positions, but I think they can turn the roster around much faster. I think Phoenix has locked them in themselves into a, painted themselves into a corner. And I think there's enough signs and signals from this year's team that assuming they're going to be a contender, get to the Western Conference Finals, is still a pretty big leap to make. That dream now, might be dead, yeah. The team might be dead. I, uh, Devin Booker's regressed. Um, they have nothing on the roster outside of, of Durant and Booker. Beal, we have seen, obviously, on and off health concerns. But even when healthy, he's not the game changer or kind of Big piece, I think Phoenix was hoping to get. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you're gonna have what 150 million committed between these three guys next year. And Beal is a contract you cannot get out of because he's got the no trade clause. And um, you've given up all these assets to get Beal to get Durant. I just think that if things don't go right this year, there's no moves to be made. There's no moves on the chessboard, and you got to run it back the following year. And um, one Durant injury, he's getting older. Beal has another significant injury. Yep. The wheels can fall off this thing really fast. So even though they're a contender, even though they've got a lot of talent, it can be pretty bleak um, yep. if just one or two things go wrong. Because by the way, at any given moment, we know Durant can ask for a trade and try to blow this whole thing up. That too, yes. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, the one guy they can't trade is Beal and probably the one they need to. Um, here's why I'm holding out hope. You know who else started 19 and 18? The Miami Heat in 2010 or something, or 2011. They started 9 and 8. I don't know if it was exactly 1918, but the 2014-15 Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Yeah, but that was a prime LeBron. Don't don't give me that. It was a prime LeBron. In a weaker conference. Yeah, but it was three guys who were offensively focused versus like the defense you got from Bosh and Wade, and a lot of people questioned. It was a weaker conference. Thank you for admitting that, finally. Um I've always said and, that. And uh, it's fair. I think this Suns team has got far bigger problems. The real question is, like, can you be and, – and honestly, we've seen Devin Booker play on bad basketball teams, so it's not like you have him and you have a floor. So I have, no, I have nothing to say in response. This season's been a disaster. They play the Lakers tomorrow night. It just feels like the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Suns just trade off kind of who has the most depressing, most recent loss. 
Um, however, the Lakers and, and the Warriors have titles and the Suns have not done shit. So they can't even be like, oh, think about the good old days because they don't have any. Um, they have the one finals trip of which one player exactly remains from that roster. Um, and other than that, it's a bunch of just, you know, hopes and dreams and exactly what built the Brooklyn Nets uh, from 2019 to 22. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's a good one. And by the way, they have none of their picks because they're all going to Brooklyn. All right, which leads me to my next team is the Brooklyn Nets. And they do have the Suns pick. So you could argue, well, there is hope in that the Suns absolutely tank and get them good stuff. I still think Matt Ishbia is going to spend through this enough where they won't be really bad and those picks are not going to be terrible. At the very least, you'd expect any type of return for like a Durant or a Booker to be so large that they won't be that bad. And... I'm picking Brooklyn because I don't know what they are. Um, I don't know, like, they have Mikhail Bridges, who's clearly not qualified to be the one, but he has no other option but to do so. They have Cam Thomas chucking. They have all these wings, Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Philly-Smith. Oh, by the way, Ben Simmons flashed uh, this year for, like, six games, and then we've never seen him again. So he still exists, and... The biggest problem with Brooklyn is that the right move is to blow it up and restart, except their picks are all with Houston. And that's where that's why they fall on this list for me is because I don't right now I don't see a real avenue from them to be a contender. Um, maybe they can go make it, you know, like they would have to include those Phoenix picks to go get like a Donovan Mitchell, for example. And I don't think Donovan Mitchell on this team changes their trajectory in a meaningful way. So that's why the Brooklyn Nets, uh, their direction seems a little aimless as well. And you know, you want to talk about fans and culture. Nobody cares about their team less than the Brooklyn Nets fan base does. And if they exist out there. Yeah. And, and one of the challenges with them, like you said, is building around. They've come out recently and said they want to build around Mikhail as the number one guy. And that might be a false premise to begin with. Like, is he? It, it is. If, if, if I missed that, if they said that, I would have told him right then and there. That is there was a report saying the Nets are, are looking to build around Mikel. They don't want to part of them. He's, he's their also primary. He's 27, guy. though, right? He's not like 24. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's not he's not a spring chicken. I think we think of him like that. And um yeah. as good as he is, like this might be his peak. Like we may have already see the best version or almost the best version of Mikel Bridges, and that's not getting you that far. Yeah. Um, so I, I know that's a good pick. You know, that's makes a lot of sense. Um so now All I right. got a couple. No, I have one more. You have one more, okay. In this round. So I'm gonna take think i'm gonna go atlanta hawks yeah that was mine um, that was my next one feels this feels like a self-explanatory reason you got trey young by all accounts by every number is a superstar he's a fan favorite in that city all that stuff is great they just don't win with him they had one what seems to be even increasingly fluky run in the conference finals uh playing a philadelphia team in the semis that was absolutely imploding they tried the DeJounte trade. And by the way, they gave up a lot for DeJounte that I don't think gets talked about enough with San Antonio's hall. And that backcourt pairing has not worked. They're already talking about trading him. They had to give up John Collins for nothing. DeAndre Hunter was a number four pick that he's really been disappointing. And you have a team that doesn't seem like they're going anywhere fast. And you have a, a star at the center of it, Trey Young, where you really have to question, can you build a winner around him? And I don't think that that answer has been clear and i also don't think that they're going to be quick to move him because of what he means to the city so you know you're stuck 
and they they appear stuck right now. Yeah, um, and the problem is, you know, they're in a situation where the yeah, like you said, Trey and Murray pairing is not working well. But what they'll do is they'll pick one, right? They're gonna and they're gonna pick Trey, and they're gonna continue mm-hmm. with Trey. And it sucks when you're put in that situation because it's like they're not gonna desert both, which theoretically maybe they should do. They're gonna say, hey, let's get rid of Murray. The pairing doesn't work. Let's keep building around Trey, and that as you mentioned, may not be the answer. So I don't like their their thing of assets that much either. I thought Quinn Snyder was going to come in and help them turn things around. Clearly hasn't happened. to. Yep. So um, this is a kind of a team in a weird situation. And even the moves they make, like Bogdanovich, there's been talk about him on the trade block, and they've got pieces they can move around. But as long as Trey is your primary focal point of that team and that offense and – on the defense as well, the the liability he comes with. Yep. I don't see them going far. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Johnson has flashed and yeah, I mean, Kongu, I mean, they have some guys, but again, they're not, the, the league is so talented that you can't get away with that when your top guys are not performing well. Um, that's the thing. And that's, that's the big difference between them and some other teams nearby. So Okay, so just to recap, going into these last couple teams, your rosters are Washington, Phoenix, and Detroit. Yep. I have Charlotte, Portland, and Atlanta. So we have yep. two teams each. We can run through these quickly. All right. Uh, so I have two more left, right? Yep. All right. My next one is the Chicago Bulls. Um, okay. I was putting, I was trying not to take this team for a while because I don't think the situation's as dire, right? Because the reason why Levine has some value, DeRozan has value, you've got Kobe White who's been blossomed in a piece you could, you know, be confident building around. Even a guy like Patrick Williams hasn't really worked out in Chicago, but as a three and D wing, he'll find a place in the league. My problem with them is. Despite all that I just said about the value, are they going to be able to flip Levine for much? It looks like the market's relatively depressed. Yep. Vooch, I'm not hearing much appetite for either. DeRozan, I don't know if they're quick to part with to, to part with DeRozan. I think they keep him. And the way this franchise has operated and being content with um, the play-in, the bottom rung of the Eastern Conference, Mark Eversley, I think, is the GM. Right, he's been there mm-hmm. for the last three, four years, and this is a team that's pretty much operated the same way. They're never aggressive in kind of remaking that roster, so I, I think they're going to be in no man's land for a while. Um, even if they do get rid of Levine, I'm not sure this roster is going to. They're not going to go full on rebuild or turn it into something that can actually contend. And so, for that reason, they're they're next on my list. Yeah, I think their president is Arturis Karnasovas, but maybe Mark Eversley is on his staff. I'm not sure. But anyway, I think, yeah, they're, they were obviously prime candidate to be picked. I mean, they de- they are destined to be in the play-in tournament every year until further notice. Um, and even this year, they looked like they were going to miss it. And all of a sudden, they're like, whoop, radar detector's on. We got to get back <laughs> into that play-in mix. And now they're firmly in the middle of it. They, yeah, I mean, the thing is, Levine, sure, he could build his way back up into trade value over time. DeRozan's a pending free agent, so they kind of have to decide this year what to do with him. Um, 
I think he likes being in Chicago. Vucevic likes being in Chicago, so he resigned. Like you said, Kobe White. So they could, you know, Caruso is eventually going to come up for free agency. I think next summer. So he's a guy that's going to be, you know, have a ton of offers around the league for him. So eventually they'll lose the advantage of some of these like good contracts of good players. They don't cash in at the same time. Like again, they're not going to bottom out because they have enough talent. So you know they're always going to be like forty and forty-two. Um, and I think that was exactly what their over/under was. I took the over because I just assumed they'd go 500, um, and so that's kind of what we're staring down the barrel of. So interesting, interesting pick. I think the Bulls have to be the next spot here. So makes sense. Um, okay, I think I have two more, and then you finish off with your last pick, right? Or no, I've already. Lost, I think we've already fucked this draft up. Um, just take <laughs> your last team, and I'll just take my last two after that. Uh, okay, now I literally my list here ends. I don't know what. Yeah, now you're picking like semi good teams and making like a making like kind of like a hot take here. Yeah, and I'm I'm not so here's before I go to my last team, just a couple of rules. I'm not gonna take a team with a franchise superstar. So you can talk about Milwaukee's situation. I'm not taking them because they got Giannis. I'm not taking Dallas. Yeah, I mean, there's a two Luka. seed. Okay, yeah, Dallas but I'm just saying like some of these... I think Dallas, I think, could be an interesting one. Dallas could, but because they have Luca, I'm not putting them there. So with that caveat, I'm going with you're not gonna you're gonna be so surprised with this one. The Utah Jazz. I was just about to say Utah, yeah. I don't like and, that. And I and I think the reason I'm selecting Utah, one is it's Utah. So this is not a team that's a they have to make trades, they have to be really savvy in the draft. I think my problem with Utah is they believe in Laurie Markinen. I know there have been trade rumors, but I I think they're going to get lulled into this false sense of confidence that Laurie is a star. Walker Kessler is a great player, but I think we went kind of off the rails with the Walker Kessler hype last year. I think he's really good, but he's not Rudy Gobert necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just, I don't, they've got the war chest of picks, but at least with OKC, they've got the picks and the talent in the winning roster. I just don't know what Danny Ainge is really going to realistically be able to build uh, unless they draft really well and hit on some players in the draft, which is yeah. historically how Utah has been a contender. It's through the draft and drafting well. So there might well, be. Well, I mean, look, I think they did so with maybe Keontae George seems like a guy and like they're starting Keontae's to build good. that up. They got a ton of picks coming from the Cavs and from the Timberwolves, right? So even if they don't take those picks, they can certainly trade them. But again, you'd have to trade for a guy who's willing to stay. And what's the list of players who are willing to stay in Utah? I'm not that's sure. That's the problem. Yep. That's fair. Um, I think that's a reasonable one. That's probably the right one, even though they are a fun team, good coach. They play an exciting ball. They've been playing awesome of late. Yeah, they've been good um, recently too. Yeah, and they just beat the shit out of Denver tonight. So, um, okay. But that's worse two... for them. That's like the false sense of confidence, right? Sometimes you don't want to be competitive with the roster that's – but, Not you know, sometimes, like, being in the play-in is fun, too. Like, Oklahoma City finished ninth last year, or whatever it was, got some play-in experience, and I thought that yeah. was good for them. But you're building around SGA. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, so. That's true. It's a different – it's levels to it. All right. I'm going to – I mean, this speaks to the strength of the league, I think, that we're both struggling to find a total of 10 teams that are, quote-unquote, hopeless. I think Toronto has to be selected, even though I liked what yep. they did with the OG trade. Like, quickly looks awesome. Barrett looks really, really good. 
I think until they settle the Siakam situation, um, they kind of have to be on this list of like, all right, are they going to keep him? Are they going to trade him? If they let him walk for nothing, it's the absolute disaster. So I'm going to take Toronto and just say like, at this point, we've now seen like two or three years of them toiling in this mediocrity of like having good players, but never really winning. Um, And I also don't know, like Scotty Barnes, I'm less, I feel like I'm a little lower on him than consensus. Like there's people who, have even picked him to be like an all-star starter um, in their in their columns like Kevin Pelton did. I don't see that from him. Um, maybe I'm mis- misreading it or maybe I'm like underrating what he does, just a Swiss Army knife offensively and defensively. But if he's the guy you're building around, <laughs> by the way, all-time rant from the coach uh, yesterday. But oh, amazing. Incredible, especially because nobody knows who that is and didn't even realize <laughs> that was the coach of the Raptors. But if he's the guy you're building around, it feels like you're lacking just a bit. It's not Mikhail Bridges level lacking, but it is like a, you know, sort of like a Larian Markinen yeah, level. It lulls you to a false sense of confidence that this is. Yeah, yeah I, I actually had Toronto high and because I think there's just an arrogance with Masai that, um, yeah, theoretically, Siakam gets your return. Theoretically, you uh, can move off of. Um, what's his face? Who's the other guy still left on this roster? Um, uh, not uh, Pardal, right? Don't they have Gary one more Trent? trade piece? Uh, maybe not. Anyways, um, but I think with quickly and, and th- it's very easy to get uh fall in love with the recent returns on Barrett and quickly, and and Barnes playing well, but ultimately that roster is still not going anywhere. So I agree. I think they're probably next. Um. I think if they traded Siakam a year ago, if they traded Van Vliet before he, you know, went to free agency, this could have been one of the best position teams. But unfortunately, uh, they did not do that. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, um, with 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 Toronto, as amazing as a city as it is, because it's in Canada, it's also not a free agency destination. Yep. So, okay. Last team, I'm going to have to pick a essentially a good team. I'm not going to take the Lakers or the Warriors, though I want to. Yeah, because um, I think we just have superstars. And big I, markets and teams who yeah. are willing to spend. Like, Lakers for sure, no. And Joe Lacob, like, doesn't give a shit about expenses. So, I'm going Cleveland. Um, I took a look at them. Donovan Mitchell, uncertainty. Maybe he stays, maybe he doesn't. Sounds like they won't do anything till at least this summer. And if you do move him, it kind of is a sad end to like what was like a promising post LeBron run, which was like their first post LeBron good team. Um, 51 games got shellacked round one versus the Knicks. But then like you look at it now, you still have Garland. Mobley's not as good as you thought, I think. I don't think that like, I mean, people were throwing on Pilsen. I mean, Pilsen's third reference on this pod now. He was throwing around Kevin Garnett comps. <laughs> not, I don't think we're there. And what are you with Garland and Mobley and Jared Allen? Or maybe they trade Allen. Like, what is that team? It's okay. Um, is that much better than, like, Trey Young and John Collins and those those teams? So that's kind of where I'm at with with uh, with Indiana. I still think Donovan Mitchell's – sorry, with Cleveland. Donovan Mitchell's still a star. So either if he stays, they're going to be good. And if they trade him, they should still get a really good return for him. He's still only 27. And he's putting up really, really big numbers. But – I don't like what I see in terms of their long-term future. And if I have to pick one of the good teams, I'll go with them. Yeah. It went downhill fast. If you think about where we're the way we 
talked about them a year ago when they were like, yeah, they were the number one defense in the league, right? Like best defense in the league. Uh, Mitchell was killing it. Mobley was looking promising. Mobley Allen pairing was working to perfection before it got exposed in the postseason. Um, yeah, I think it's a good one, and it's Cleveland. Like that's, I I think the the rumblings of of Mitchell wanting to leave, um. You know, it's probably better for them. They build around Garland. Uh, we talked about this recently, I think, right? Like, it's a situation where it both don't make sense, so maybe it's better they build around Garland. But at the same time, that's another star that you really sold out to acquire. You got him, and he leaves, uh, and you couldn't retain him. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's a tough situation for them, uh, I but I definitely agreed they're probably next. Um, yeah. Okay. So there you have it. The hopeless team draft. Um, all in all, I'm feeling kind of positive. There's just a lot of talent in this league, and everyone feels like they have a way out except the uh, Washington Wizards. So we'll take that yeah. one home with me, and we'll, we'll really marinate on it. But otherwise, the league's in good shape. And look, when they add two teams, whenever LeBron's you know done and wants to hang it up, they add Vegas, they add Seattle. This is why everyone feels very confident that the league can support 32 teams because the talent exists. Yeah, and look, a year ago, you know, you might have had Orlando on the list. Uh, you might have had Houston on the list. Yep. Uh, you might have had Minnesota on the list, given That's what we right. were seeing with Rudy Gobert, and we we're talking about the picks. So it, it's crazy to see just how the fortunes can change. There's enough talent that a team can turn it around in a year. Um, and so, yeah, we'll do this exercise next year, and one of these teams will be – We'll be have a really good future. And one of the teams that we feel really good about might fall its way in. Like, let's say Dallas implodes, Kyrie yeah. asks out, and suddenly Luca's on you know one foot out the door. That's going to get dark real quick. Um, so you just never know. Yeah, and and look, I love Sacramento, but in a year, if they're a, if they're not able to make moves this off this trade deadline this off season, let's yeah. say they slip to the play in this year, then you start to question. Hey, they've tied money to the so you know even a team like sacramento is all the good vibes i love them i love the direction one year is all it takes to to really change the way you look at a team yep okay that's a wrap for us please rate review and subscribe to thick and thin hoops uh, on all major podcast platforms please follow us on social media and we will talk to you next week